Chapter twenty five of Geographical Reader Europe by Frank G. Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Chapter twenty five Up the Rhine to Switzerland. Today we are to take a trip up the Rhine. It is one of the most important rivers of Europe, although by no means the largest. The Danube is more than twice as long, and the Volga about three times as long as the Rhine and their volumes are very much greater still the rhine is more important than either of these streams for it flows through the busiest part of the continent forming a great commercial highway from the south to the north its springs are found in the glaciers and snows of the alps it rises on one side of st gotthard near the source of the rhone and not far from the tunnel where the railroad goes through to italy about a mile and a half above the level of the sea it is fed by many an ice-cold milk-white glacial stream as it dashes along down the alps into the beautiful lake constance it comes out of this placid bed only to take another tumble at schaffhausen over the greatest falls of europe and then flows on west to basel where it turns to the north and gives a safe and deep waterway to the north sea the rhine carries a large part of the commerce of this region hundreds of steamers and five or six thousand great barges are always moving up and down its waters and the traffic upon it is almost as great as upon the rivers of china there are boats carrying wine grain and merchandise of all kinds boats loaded with freight which will be transferred to the railroads to go over the alps into italy and others filled with merchandise from the mediterranean and other places beyond the mountains there are rafts of timber cut from the black forest floating down toward holland and it may be manufactured goods on their way to new york by way of the rhine and the ocean the rhine has much to do with the history of europe before railroads were constructed it was even more important than now for it then formed the easiest road from italy and the south to central and northern europe silks and other fine goods from asia were shipped across the mediterranean sea and along the adriatic sea to venice whence they were carried over the passes in the alps to the rhine and thence to different parts of northern europe and especially to the rich cities in holland and belgium about its mouths goods from the north were sent back in exchange and a steady stream of merchandise and traders passed up and down even in the times of the romans the rhine had its important cities and towns caesar led his soldiers along its banks charlemagne another great conqueror fought many battles near it and napoleon bonaparte marched his armies back and forth across it there is hardly a foot of the rhine which has not its notable history and every town and castle we pass if it could speak might tell an interesting story at present the greater part of the river belongs to germany only its beginning and ending being in other countries it forms a part of the boundary between switzerland and germany and until the germans conquered the french in eighteen seventy it was the boundary between germany and france after that conquest the germans moved their boundary line farther west so that now france has no land on the rhine the germans are proud of this fact and they always speak of the rhine as their river and often call it father rhine as we look at the map of europe however it seems to us that holland has a better right to boast of its inheritance from the rhine for that low country was largely built up by the earth washings brought down by its waters 
and it is still fed by them we saw one mouth of the rhine at rotterdam where it is walled in between its embankments and another where it flows into the zuider zee our journey begins at cologne on the west bank of the river this is the chief commercial city of the rhine basin and one of the most important cities of germany it is about as large as pittsburgh and has many manufacturing industries it is an old city like lubeck and hamburg it was one of the chief towns of the hanseatic league and it had at one time during the middle ages as many as eighty thousand weavers owing to the trade of the rhine and the looms its people were then so rich that their neighbors instead of saying a man was as rich as midas would say he was rich as the cloth merchant of cologne we take a view of the city from the spires of the cathedral climbing round and round up the steps inside one of the towers until we are at last far above the body of the great structure and on one of the highest towers of the world the top of the spires above us are five hundred and twelve feet above the ground only forty-three feet lower than the top of the monument at washington from the spire we can see the rhine winding its way about the city which stretches out over the plain at the back we cast our eyes down upon the great building below us it is one of the largest and finest of the european churches it covers almost two acres of ground and has cost almost as much as our capital at washington it was begun in the middle ages but was not completed until eighteen eighty three when the great bells in the tower were rung for hours in honor of the event we look at the bells as we go down one of them is so large that it takes more than a score of men to ring it it is called the emperor's bell as we see from the german words carved on the outside which translated are as follows i am the emperor's bell the emperor's praise i tell on holy guard i stand and for this german land beseech that god may please to grant it peace and ease we leave the church to do a little shopping before we go on our steamer can you guess what we buy first think where we are and you will guess right we lay in a good stock of cologne it is in cologne that this well-known perfumery is made and we find it exceedingly cheap it is sold in many stores near the cathedral and we are told that there are at least forty different merchants each of whom claims he has the only pure article and he will sprinkle a little on your clothes or on your handkerchief to prove it we are clothed in an atmosphere of perfumes from such attempts to induce us to purchase as we leave the stores and walk down to the rhine where we stroll about the quays watching the shipping we go back and forth over the great bridge of boats which here crosses the river and watch the boys who are fishing as we wait for the leaving time of the steamer the bridge is made of anchored barges on which planks are laid it rises and falls with the water and it is so constructed that sections of it can be taken out to let the ships through soon our baggage arrives we go on the boat and see it stowed away in the cabins and then take seats on the upper deck and enjoy the busy sights all about us there the whistle is blowing the bell is rung for all who are not going to get off the gangplank is pulled away and we are steaming off up the rhine we soon leave the city and after a time can distinguish only the tall spires of its cathedral cutting the sky how fresh the air is and how beautiful the scenery the river has grown narrower and we are coming into a region of hills we wind in and out now frowned down upon by great rocks 
and now by low mountains which seem high because of their steepness what is that old building on top of that hill at the left it is a vast stone structure with a square tower and queer little windows some of which seem to have iron bars a part of it has fallen down and it does not look as though anyone lived in it now that is a castle it was built five hundred years ago and was once the home of a baron or knight who with his soldiers lived there and made the poor people round about him give support there is a similar ruin on that rock at the left and as we go on we see scores of such castles they were the homes of the barons of the middle ages many of whom were robbers who oppressed the people and preyed upon the merchants who travelled up and down the rhine the history of this region is full of their extortions and cruelties although many of the tales told are not true almost every hill along the rhine has its wonderful story in some they say dragons lived and good and bad fairies had their homes in the drachenfelds a great rock on the rhine there was it is said a dragon who killed and ate people being i suppose especially fond of children he was finally conquered by siegfried a german hero when the dragon died his blood soaked the ground and as the region thereabout now produces excellent grapes the people call the wine region made from them dragon's blood we see vineyards everywhere as we steam on up the river both banks are lined with them every little white cottage has grapevines about it and there are many large courtyards the hills are terraced and the mountain sides are made up of green steps each step filled with grapevines tied to stakes some places are so steep that the earth is held in with stone walls and much of it was carried up from below in baskets on the backs of women and men we see men women and children at work among the vines they are hoeing and weeding them in the autumn the fruit will be ripe and then all will be picking grapes from daylight to dark and carrying them off to the wine presses the grapes are first tramped to a pulp with the feet and then the juice is squeezed out much of the pressing is done after dark as it is thought disgraceful to lie in bed after sunrise the peasants have a rather hard time at grape harvest still they seem to enjoy themselves we hear the boys and girls singing as they work they have parties and dances in the winter in some of the villages of these regions the girls hold spinning bees when they meet together and spin yarn in the daytime in the evening when the boys come they have a supper and dance they are good people and one of their sayings is a man who does not go to church is no better than other cattle and another is he is a bad man who can relish his sauerkraut without a sermon wages are very low in the rhine valley and the poor people live plainly many of them eat only a little gruel and dry bread for breakfast they have plenty of milk and eggs but little meat they have many potatoes making all sorts of dishes of them including soup pancakes and dumplings the steamer stops some time at koblenz near which is the great rock fortress of Aaron breitstein called the gibraltar of the rhine the rock is four hundred feet above the level of the river and the fortress upon it can accommodate one hundred thousand soldiers although only five thousand are stationed in it it is the chief of the many fortresses of the rhine valley and has been used as a military stronghold for about one hundred years we are delighted with koblenz it is a fine old city dating back to the time of the romans situated at the joining of the river moselle with the rhine 
it has a bridge of boats much like that at cologne and many quaint old buildings among other curious things is the clock in the old merchant's hall which has an odd figure under it this is a man with a hideous face whose goggle eyes roll with every move of the pendulum and whose great mouth opens when the clock strikes the hour it is known as the man in the custom-house and it is said that when a man from the country meets one from coblenz he does not ask him how are all the good people of coblenz but says how is the man in the custom-house leaving coblenz we steam on up the rhine winding our way through the hills by many towns and villages past numerous castles until we come to a place where the river narrows and seethes and foams as it dashes by the lorelei rock the rock has a peculiar echo and there is a story that it was once the home of a wicked maiden who sat there combing her golden hair and singing she was very beautiful and her song was so sweet that the boatmen forgot to manage their boats as they listened and she lured them on and on until they were dashed to pieces against the rock the echo from the rock is so strong that it repeats many times whatever we shout at it opposite it but a little farther upstream under a great ruined castle is the town of Oberwesel, whose boys are said to amuse themselves by crying out to the echo rock who is the mayor of Oberwesel?" in such a way that only the last two syllables are heard and the cry comes back esel esel a word which means donkey in german whether the mayor feels insulted thereby we have not time to learn but what is the weird-looking figure that stands on the hill in the distance it is a gigantic woman whose hand seems raised as though she were commanding the world perhaps it really is a giantess and these fairy stories of the rhine are true after all now we have come closer it is a giantess indeed it is a statue as tall as a three-story house standing on a pedestal eighty feet high it was put up by the germans to commemorate their victories over the french in eighteen seventy it cost two hundred and seventy five thousand dollars and is the greatest national monument in europe that little town opposite the monument in bingen fair bingen on the rhine and that tower on the side of it on a rocky island in the river is the mouse tower where according to one story the cruel bishop hatto was eaten alive by rats you may read about it in southey's poem bishop hatto was very rich and his granaries were full of corn although the people about him were starving one day he sent out word to the peasants that if they would come into his great barn he would give them enough food for the winter they came in crowds men women and children thronging in with their bags until the barn was packed with them then when he saw it could hold no more bishop haddo made fast the door and while for mercy on christ they call he set fire to the barn and burnt them all in faith tis an excellent bonfire quoth he and the country is greatly obliged to me for ridding it in these times forlorn of rats that only consume the corn the poem then tells how the bishop returned home ate his supper and went to sleep when he awoke in the morning one of his servants told him that the rats had eaten all his corn and another soon came and said that an army of ten thousand rats was on its way to eat him up on account of his cruelty to the people thereupon he went to this tower on a rock in the rhine and locked himself in but the rats swam across the river and stormed the tower 
in at the windows and in at the doors and through the walls by thousands they poured and down through the ceiling and up through the floor from the right and the left behind and before from within and without from above and below and all at once at the bishop they go they have wetted their teeth against the stones and now they pick the bishop's bones they gnawed the flesh from every limb for they were sent to do justice on him this story is interesting but everyone knows it is not true the tower was really a watch-tower erected in the middle ages and its name comes from a german word meaning to steal a little later on we reach mainz opposite the point where the main flows into the rhine here we leave the boat and take a walk through the town we visit the ruins of a roman tower supposed to have been erected more than nineteen hundred years ago we go to the house where gutenberg the first printer was born and then take the railroad for frankfurt nearby here we stroll along the river main watching the great rafts of timber which are floating down to the city we walk on the zeal the chief street and look at the shops we visit the great red sandstone cathedral and then go to the stock exchange for frankfurt is one of the chief business cities of germany it was for years one of the richest cities of europe and its bankers have often loaned money to kings one of the dirtiest parts of the town is the jewish quarter where not far from the stores of old clothes merchants we are shown the house of the first of the rothschilds they have their great banking houses in london paris and vienna and control hundreds of millions of dollars we go to see the gutenberg monument in horse market square and then take a train for strasbourg visiting the cities of mannheim and heidelberg on the way mannheim is a manufacturing centre situated on the right bank of the rhine opposite the mouth of the neckar and heidelberg only a few miles off is the seat of a famous university and one of the most beautiful places in germany it lies on the neckar with a great castle on the hills just above it we visit the castle climbing about its ivy-clad ruins we go down into the dungeon where the prisoners were kept in times past and in the cellar are shown what is perhaps the biggest barrel ever made it is known as the heidelberg tun and it will hold eight hundred hogsheads or more than two hundred and eighty thousand bottles of wine it has been filled only three times in one hundred years we spend some time strolling about heidelberg how queer the students look and how many of them have scars and stripes of court plaster on their faces we are told the plaster is to cure the cuts received in the duels which they fight with one another using sharp two-edged swords and stopping only when the first blood is drawn a student is very proud of his scars and he walks like a king if he has two or three cuts covered with plaster the university is one of the oldest and largest in germany a short ride on the railroad brings us back to the rhine and we are soon at strasbourg another important centre of commerce and trade it lies two miles from the rhine with which it is connected by canals strasbourg was founded by the romans and in the middle ages was one of the most prosperous of the free german cities the french obtained possession of it in the seventeenth century but in the war of eighteen seventy the germans recaptured it and it is now one of the military centers of their empire strasbourg is especially noted for its cathedral and the great clock within it this clock is a wonder of mechanical ingenuity every fifteen minutes a figure of an angel comes out of it and strikes the quarter with a bell 
while every hour is struck by a skeleton which appears higher up beside the angel is a figure which turns the sand glass every hour and about the skeleton are four other figures representing boyhood youth manhood and old age in the gallery below these stands a figure by which you can tell the day of the week for a different one appears every day the most interesting scene however is at noon the time of our visit when figures representing the twelve apostles come out above the other figures and march around an image of the saviour while a cock on the pinnacle of a side tower flaps its wings stretches its neck and crows so loudly that the noise penetrates every portion of the great building we leave strasbourg by railroad and ride along the banks of the river to basel in switzerland where we end our rhine journey the river has still much shipping notwithstanding a vast traffic of passengers and freight is carried by rail we are greatly impressed with the importance of the rhine as a trade route and have learned that it is one of the most useful as well as the most beautiful of the commercial highways of europe End of chapter twenty five